millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 5, Episode 5 for Part 1 of this two-part case. This episode contains distressing themes and is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Paul Bint is known under many aliases. He would convince his unsuspecting victims that he was a doctor a lawyer, an aristocrat, or even a millionaire. Through his 20s and 30s, Bint had spent a total of 10 years in and out of prisons or mental health facilities. However, this did little to curb his desire to convince his victims that the fantasy world he inhabited existed. Just before he turned 40, Bint had served a prison sentence for stealing a barrister's belongings prior to fraudulently obtaining a stay in a luxury hotel in Scotland. He had convinced a Virgin Train executive that he was a barrister whose laptop containing vital information had been stolen. During his stay in the North, 
Bint began a relationship with another victim. He convinced her he was a wealthy barrister. He proclaimed she would never have to work again, showered her with gifts, and promised her a honeymoon in the Caribbean after he proposed. The whirlwind romance did not last long, however. Bint's deception was discovered, and he was subsequently later charged and found guilty of assault after being confronted by the woman he was involved with. By July 2001, 11 months since his sentencing hearing at Newcastle Crown Court, Bint had been released on licence. The ink was barely dry on the paperwork authorising his release when a man matching his description was wanted by the Greater Glasgow Police for the theft of an Aston Martin DB7 worth over £50,000 taken from a car showroom in Annisland Trade Centre. The sports car and its prospective buyer had vanished. A man who was sharply dressed and using the name James Blenheim had regaled the staff with details of his job. He said he was the owner of a hotel in Mauritius and was in Glasgow to look at purchasing a nightclub. He had appeared on the forecourt looking every bit the affluent and willing customer the sales staff could hope for. While the name of Blenheim was oddly familiar as it came from a type of paint, the staff thought this nothing more than a coincidence. The prospective buyer said that after he spotted the Aston Martin in the showroom, he had already phoned his bank to get payment ready for the vehicle. A salesman, Ross Campbell, thought it was his lucky day. It was anything but. James Blenheim convinced the unsuspecting salesman that they should both go and pick up the banker's draft together. With Ross Campbell in the passenger seat, Blenheim suggested it was a nice day to stop off for a bite to eat. Besides, he said, there might be a delay with the paperwork at the bank given the queues at lunchtime. After they arrived at a pub and ordered their food, Blenheim told the salesman that he needed to leave the table briefly to make a quick phone call. As the minutes passed, Ross Campbell slowly began to realise his customer was not coming back. But worse, when he checked the car park, the vehicle was gone too. Stranger still, Campbell had the keys. This suggested that the con man must have stolen a spare set from the showroom before the pair left. The police were contacted and the salesman offered the name of James Blenheim. While this did not ring any bells with officers, they asked for a detailed account of the events and a description of the suspect. After checking their records, Greater Glasgow Police knew precisely who they were after, and it was not James Blenheim. The Aston Martin DB7 would be found around 50 miles away in the Scottish capital, with an additional 900 miles on the clock and approximately £1,500 worth of damage. Paul Bint was eventually located 
and several months later again appeared before a judge during November 2001. In the dock from a courtroom in Edinburgh, he was charged with a theft of a motor vehicle, stealing petrol and stealing a license plate. Interestingly, for the most part, Bint had always admitted to his crimes, but now he was even lying about that. He claimed that he did not steal the car on his own. It was apparently a scam organised by the salesman Ross Campbell and a Turkish businessman, Metma Abdullah Mohammed. Bint claimed he was to be paid £1,000 to transport the vehicle from Scotland to England, along with obtaining a flight back to Edinburgh. However, even after a comprehensive search was undertaken, the mysterious accomplice Metma Abdullah Mohammed, or Mr. Met, his preferred name according to Bint, could not be tracked down. Despite this setback, Defending Bint Barrister Joe Beltrami affirmed to the court, This is an insurance scam set up in London and in Glasgow, and my client was the full guy, the mug. Nonetheless, it was alleged by Alan McLeod on behalf of the Crown that Bint was stealing the vehicle to impress several women he was looking to seduce. He told them he was either a top lawyer or a merchant banker. None of them were aware he had previously served a jail term for assault. Two of the women Bint had been seeing, Andrea McLowan and Froy Loversdoll, said they had seen him with the stolen Aston Martin DB7 taken from the car showroom in Glasgow. After a four-day trial at Glasgow Sheriff Court, Bint's story of being a fool guy for an insurance scam was rejected by the jury of ten men and five women. They deliberated for less than 20 minutes. Much like his previous experiences of the sentencing process, Bint did not learn his fate there and then, as Sheriff Kenneth MacGyver wanted to see background reports before passing a sentence. When discussing Bint... The sheriff said, he may not be in charge of reality. Bint's barrister had tried his best to defend his client throughout the trial, but during mitigation he was not as flattering, explaining to Sheriff McIver that Paul Bint was not as smart as he was made out to be. Quite, Press reports called my client King Con and superimposed a picture of a crown on his head. They should have superimposed a dunce's cap. Joseph Beltrami believed his client had a psychotic depressive condition and should be shown mercy. He aspires to be a big shot and gets himself into these kinds of situations. He stole the car to impress a number of girlfriends and always intended for the car to be returned to the owner. Before he was handed his sentence, Bint was told by Sheriff MacGyver, Your record and the circumstances of this current offence are dreadful and show me that you are fundamentally dishonest. Lying and stealing appear to be an integral part of your lifestyle. Your chances of re-offending are high. 
the public needs protection from people like you. Paul Bint received a sentence of two years and nine months and would spend his time behind bars at Glasgow's Barlinny Prison. Thirteen months later, Bint was released on licence a few weeks before Christmas 2002. Chief executives of the NHS in Scotland and the North in general were issued with a photograph and warning that King Con, a.k.a. Paul Bint, was now a free man. In all, Bint had been behind bars for almost a year and a half, including his time on remand. The day after his release, he travelled from Scotland to London. Bint, then in his early 40s, turned up at the University College Hospital. He claimed to have been in a minor traffic accident while driving his Aston Martin. Obviously, this was a lie, but Bint took comfort from being looked after in a hospital. For him, it was a feeling of safety. That and the fact he needed somewhere to stay and several warm meals a day. He was booked in under the name Orlando Palnell QC, who just so happened to be a high-profile lawyer and led the prosecution at the murder trial of television presenter and journalist Jill Dando. During his time in hospital, Bint was treated by casualty consultant Dr Annie Park McGuinness. Bint told the doctor that he had recently been working on the trial of Danielle Jones, a 15-year-old who was murdered the previous month. He went on to claim that he lived on Millionaire's Row in Hampstead, North London. Bint came across as respectable, if somewhat lonely, and spoke of the rich and famous people he knew. Believing him to be Orlando Pownall, Dr Park McGuinness ended up inviting Bint back to her flat to offer him some company and hospitality. Bint claimed that they shared some mutual friends. The way he spoke, he gave off an air of a hard-working man that was struggling to form personal connections with people. Dr. Park McGuinness took pity on him. The alarm was raised when Bint vanished from the doctor's home without a word, along with £60 in cash and her credit cards. Shortly before he left hospital, Bint had also stolen a bank card which belonged to an elderly patient who was at death's door. The money that was stolen was used to impress a string of women so that they would believe Bint was the wealthy lawyer that he claimed to be. Leaving a trail of missing funds and broken hearts in his wake, when Bint was tracked down amongst his possessions, Police found a wig that belonged to Alan Pardo QC, cassette tapes that had been labelled with the names of Ian Huntley and Maxine Carr, and documents relating to the Jeremy Bamber murder trial, produced by the Crown Prosecution Service. Appearing before the Inner London Crown Court, Bint admitted to charges of theft, driving while disqualified, and eight counts of obtaining property by deception. 
His sentence was deferred by Judge Leslie Burns. Several psychiatric reports which his defence were relying upon were delayed. Dr. Raymond Travers, who assessed Bint, concluded he was suffering from an acute personality disorder and would need specialist treatment at a secure facility if there was any hope of ending the cycle Bint was caught up in. The psychiatrist said, He will be very depressed at the moment because while he is in prison, he has to be Paul Bint. This is the thing he finds hardest to handle. It's very clear that as soon as he leaves jail, he starts trying to be somebody else. It is possible he could benefit from treatment in a high-security hospital, but only people who have committed the worst crimes can go to Broadmoor and Rampton. He could benefit from a medium-security hospital, but he would have to want treatment and be prepared to go through a programme. He may not want any treatment because he will see the happiness he gets as outweighing the negative aspects of going to jail. Acting on behalf of the prosecution, Rufus Stilgo had warned the court that it would be sensible to have a number of assessments made by several doctors, as it could very well be that Bint had become wise to the process and knew what to say to his benefit. Stilgo said, If there is to be a psychiatric report that recommends some kind of hospital order, the prosecution take the view that it be viewed with a certain amount of scepticism, given the nature of the defendant and his previous offences. Peter Corrigan defending Bint told the court that the sentence handed down against his client should tackle Bint's need for rehabilitation rather than punishment. By this point, his criminal career had been running for two and a half decades. The sentencing judge, Jonathan van der Werf, told Bint, In just over three weeks, you committed 11 offences, a very small number for you, although that is no comfort, of course, for the people you cheated, defrauded and stole from. You stopped, of course, only because you were caught. While Bint had pleaded guilty, the judge told him that a considerable sentence was inevitable. Bint could not be detained under the Mental Health Act as following a review by a number of psychiatrists, it was deduced that he suffered from an untreatable psychopathic disorder. Addressing the anguish, embarrassment and loss the victims experienced, Jonathan van der Werf labelled Bint a serial and practised confidence trickster. I see you have committed 127 crimes to which should be added the 374 you asked the courts on different occasions to be taken into consideration, and you have had 24 aliases over the years. Looking unfazed by his impending jail term in Brixton Prison, Paul Bint was sentenced to four years and four months. Prior to receiving his sentence, Paul Bint had been the subject of a television show called Everyman that aired on the BBC. He told the makers of the documentary, 
I would like to stop pretending I am something I am not and accept I am what I am. I have spent my life running away from things that are extremely painful to me. Others drink or take drugs to escape, but the way I have done it is by being other people. Bint also spoke about his youth and why he was drawn to hospitals. I wonder who I am at times because I've taken so many identifications. I had quite an amazing experience when I was in a children's home feeling very lonely and deserted. I got taken to a hospital and there were people there that actually cared about me. As Bint's history of lies and deceit ran through nearly the whole thread of his life, it was impossible to unpick where the real Paul Bint began and ended. Even every man's producers had trouble verifying the stories he told. After Paul Bint was released from prison on licence, he moved to Berkshire. Now in his mid-forties, he was certainly older, but many would argue not wiser. During the summer of 2007, he was pulled over in Harrow after driving erratically. Officers from the Metropolitan Police Force believed he might have been drinking, so Bint was given a breathalyser test. He was over the legal limit. When asked for his name, Bint identified himself as Piers Hansen, who worked as a barrister. After being arrested, Bint was taken to the police station, and upon investigation it was discovered that the car he was driving did not belong to him. It belonged to a financial advisor. Officers from the Metropolitan Constabulary phoned the individual, asking if he had let anyone borrow his car. He said he had. According to the financial advisor, a Mr Fowler, he had lent his car to a Piers Hansen, who he had met only four days earlier. He claimed he was a Queen's counsel. The lawyer had told Fowler that he came from a family of distinguished barristers and they owned 12 properties for which they required mortgage advice. Piers Hansen also claimed to have £35 million in a bank account and owned a trust fund that generated £3 million a year. He claimed to be earning huge sums of money and was seeking financial advice. Under the belief that Piers Hansen, otherwise known as Paul Bint, was a successful barrister, the financial advisor did all he could to wine and dine this new potential client even taking him out horse racing at the Royal Windsor Racecourse and spending a great deal of money in the process. With the police keen to learn more about what Bint had been up to, officers visited his latest victim who handed over Bint's possessions that he had left at the address before attending the horse racing. The items included a case containing legal papers, a barrister's cloth bag, two volumes of legal textbooks, a barrister's wig and a collar. When questioned about the items, Bint claimed that he had found them on a train just under a week earlier. However, after tracking down the owner, 
it was discovered the items had in fact been stolen the previous day from the Old Bailey. Bint also told detectives that he never acted as a barrister, only dressed up as one to impress women. But Bint's unwitting victim would later contradict this statement, informing police that the man he believed was an esteemed lawyer had offered to act as his counsel during an upcoming court hearing. Bint, who by this point had been committing similar crimes for around two and a half decades, was charged with handling stolen goods, possessing articles to be used in fraud, and false representation. It was noted by the judge David Mull QC, who oversaw the case, that Bint could not be trusted, and every word he said was a lie. There had been attempts in the past for Bint to undergo some form of rehabilitation, however that had come to nothing. There would be no option for a community support order. A new psychiatric report showed that Bint was not suffering from any mental disorder, but it was noted that he might in future benefit from psychotherapy, although not until he was free of contact with the criminal justice system. During the middle of spring 2008 at Harrow Crown Court, for the culmination of the charges, Bint was handed another jail term, this time for three years. Even though Paul Bint was behind bars, that did not stop the wheels of justice turning. Bint was facing further charges of false representation, fraud, driving while disqualified and driving without insurance. It seemed his past was quickly catching up with him. Before he was incarcerated, Bint had become involved with a woman called Renata Zeppelitel. Again using the alias of a leading Queen's counsel, Bint said his name was Jonathan Rees, a successful barrister. Having no reason to doubt Bint as he seemed trustworthy, the new woman in Bint's life let him use her car. He had neither insurance nor a valid driving license as he had been disqualified. While on his travels, he needed to fill up the car with petrol, but as Bint was short on funds and regularly stole what he wanted, he was not going to pay for it. He put some petrol in the tank and sheepishly walked across the garage forecourt to the attendee at the kiosk. Bint explained that he had forgotten his wallet, but he offered a card number from his wife. Realising that the man before him had no other means of payment, the attendee accepted. On the phone, only a portion of which was overheard by the bemused attendant, Bint didn't ask the car's owner directly for a card number. Still, he somehow managed to provide the details and the transaction was approved. Renata Zeppelitel was only asked what sort of fuel the car took. Bint certainly did not ask for her credit card details. Upon realising that her card had been used without her knowledge by a man claiming to be one of the country's leading barristers, Renata knew something was not right. She notified the Surrey Police Force and Bint was arrested though later released pending an investigation. 
before Judge Michael Hunter at Guildford Crown Court. Gavin Home, Bint's defence counsel, said that his client, who was behind bars, was currently being treated for depression. Mr Bint had such a reputation that he is unable to really exist in the real world, Holmes said. Current technology means that if anyone finds out his real identity, they can find hundreds of articles detailing his past history. This has made it extremely hard to hold down relationships and employment. Bint's counsel admitted that his client was struggling, but insisted that the defendant was looking to make amends and be a productive member of society. Bint was again warned by the judge that if he did not do something to improve his situation, he would not see much of the outside world. Judge Michael Hunter said, I'm sure you have been told in the past that you have an absolutely shocking record. If you don't stop now and you continue to offend on release, the likelihood is you will spend the rest of your life in prison. During June 2008, Paul Bint received a total sentence of 12 months. However, this would be served concurrently with the three-year jail term he had previously received. An appeal was made on Paul Bint's behalf, this time against the three-year sentence he was handed at Harrow Crown Court. At the end of August 2008 at the Royal Courts of Justice in London, his defence counsel argued that the three-year term Bint received was disproportionate. It was said the stolen property, a barrister's garments, were returned and were not of particularly high value. Also, the charges of fraud by false representation in which Bint received a great deal of hospitality from an unsuspecting financial advisor amounted to £300. The gods were clearly smiling down on Bint, as his overall sentence was again reduced on appeal by Lord Justice Gage, Mr Justice Tracy and Mr Justice Bean. Instead of three years he was only sentenced to serve a total of two. He would be out in a year on good behaviour. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Center. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Center comes in. With over three decades of experience, Center leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces, and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code among us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. Although Paul Bint was again warned by a judge to make something of what was left of his life, otherwise he would be spending the rest of it behind bars, Bint would not heed that warning. His desire to be anyone but himself continued and now he wanted to emulate one of the most senior public prosecutors in England and Wales. He believed this would leave a lasting impression with the women he was trying to impress. Throughout April and May of 2009, he masqueraded as Keir Starmer QC, the then Director of Public Prosecutions. Bint first met IT consultant Penelope Edwards through the Encounters section of the Sunday Times. She was a businesswoman in her early 40s. After receiving a message from someone called Kia who described himself as a successful barrister, fit, very spontaneous and looking for a relationship, they arranged to meet. Bint arrived with a bottle of pink champagne and flowers. The pair took a leisurely stroll along the bank of the River Thames. Bint regaled Penelope with tales of his parents' wealth and how he had properties by the riverside and in Sunningdale, a large idyllic village in Berkshire. He spontaneously suggested they should jet off on a holiday to the Caribbean. Bint falsely claimed to have been married to British actor and comedian Sarah Alexander and looking for sympathy, he said the couple had a child that had unfortunately died only six months later. Bint spun yet more tall tales in which he said his then-wife had cheated on him with his best friend. 
Shocked at his honesty but impressed by his achievements, Penelope agreed to again meet the man she knew as Keir Starmer. But tragedy would strike when the day came, as Bint, posing as Keir Starmer, said he would have to cancel as he had injured his leg when he awkwardly got out of his Ferrari. This could not be further from the truth, as Paul Bint had in fact been out wooing another woman, telling her he was Queen's Counsel Jonathan Rees QC. Using a profile under that name, a few years earlier Bint had contacted Administrator Vivian Walsh over MySpace. He again sent her a message, and the two agreed to meet at St Albans. Vivian was brought armfuls of gifts including books, flowers and a teddy bear. Jonathan Rees QC, a.k.a. Paul Bint, explained that he had been married to a famous actor. He mentioned a child that had died, a divorce and his friendship with Pierce Brosnan. This faux association had apparently formed as Bint claimed he lent an Aston Martin to a production company who had made one of the James Bond films. Paul Bint's creations seemed too good to be true. He had arranged to test drive an Audi R8 but told both of the women the car was his. He also neglected to mention that he was disqualified and did not have a licence. So taken aback, the women were swept off their feet. They allowed Bint to stay at their homes and use their cars. Presumably he did this so he had a roof over his head and the vehicles could be used to more easily travel between the homes of the numerous women Bint was trying to seduce. As a way to impress his multiple victims, Bint would steal jewellery from one and give it to the other. He also took their credit cards to withdraw cash when he was short of funds. During this period, Bint appeared at St Albans Crown Court. However, this was not for a court case. He just felt like stealing something, specifically a barrister's laptop. As Bint's deception spree continued, he met yet more women. But when he was told by Penelope Edwards that she did not want to take their relationship any further as she had started seeing an old flame, Bint was determined to do anything to keep the women in his life from seeing someone else. Bint, under the identity of Keir Starmer, told Penelope that he had done some background checks on this other man she was seeing and discovered this man had been convicted of assault. At first, Penelope could not believe it, but Bint was extremely convincing. She found solace in his arms and took a sleeping pill to calm down. While she was asleep, as the icing on the cake, Bint spray-painted the word bitch on the side of Penelope's house. After she awoke and saw the graffiti, Penelope believed it to be her spurned lover. This only reinforced Bint's claims. Unexpectedly, it was neither Penelope nor Vivian that first reported Bint to the police, but a taxi driver. 
On one occasion during the end of April 2009, Bint was desperate to see one of his victims, but he had no money. He hailed a taxi and when he arrived at his destination, he claimed that someone had stolen his wallet. He told the taxi driver he was Kia Starmer, provided his mobile number and said he would pay the taxi driver once the missing wallet was recovered. Unsurprisingly, the money never materialised. The frustrated taxi driver travelled to the office of the Director of Public Prosecutions asking for the fare, only to be greeted by Starmer's secretary. She did her best to calm the rising tension and insist that it was not possible that this mystery passenger was her boss. The mistake Bint made was providing his own mobile number to the taxi driver. The police were able to check its owner. After doing some verification as to his movements on that date, Bint was arrested on May 19th when he turned up for a meeting with his probation officer. If this wasn't enough, the police were also armed with a newspaper interview in which Bint, under the identity of Kia Starmer, claimed he would be taking on firms that clamp illegally parked cars. It had seemed strange that the director of public prosecutions would have made a physical threat towards a person clamping a vehicle, but a reporter took Bint at his word when he said that he was Keir Starmer. When the police looked into the matter, they realised the licence plate for the car Bint had driven was not his. It belonged to Penelope Edwards. Like a house of cards built on quicksand, Bint's web of lies slowly began to unravel. Furthermore, Vivian Walsh, another of Bint's victims, was becoming more and more suspicious of his behaviour. It seemed highly unlikely that he was one of the leading barristers in the UK. Curious, Vivian did a Google search of the person she knew as Jonathan Rees. The computer screen brought up a picture of Paul Bint who had been masquerading as Rees several years earlier. Devastated, Vivian contacted the police. Just over a year since his case was argued at the Royal Courts of Justice in London, Paul Bint was back in a courtroom trying to justify his actions before a jury. From Southwark Crown Court, Judge Deborah Taylor heard how Bint of no fixed address had been focusing his attention on women who were seeking companionship, either through a lonely heart sad in the newspaper or via internet dating. First they had become friends, then after being wined and dined, Bint worked his way into their home, their hearts, and then their bank accounts. Bint, who was no longer claiming he was a doctor, had firmly settled on assuming the identities of several wealthy famous barristers, while also claiming he knew celebrities and owned a fleet of high-end luxury cars. As he had a full set of what appeared to be legal paraphernalia, there was no reason to doubt him. The prosecutor, Riel Carmi Jones, tried to explain the reason for Bint's actions. Quite, 
His arrest ended a spree of fraud and deception that had spanned five to six weeks, during which time he had lied and manipulated a number of people. His motivation? Firstly, perhaps gain for himself, in financial terms and also creature comforts. But perhaps a close second to this was a need to increase his own sense of self-importance. Been denied nine charges of fraud by false representation, five charges for driving while disqualified, burglary and theft. Summarising the case against the defendant, the prosecutor said, The Crown suggests Paul Bint was a con man, a confidence trickster, a man who it seems had no legitimate source of income other than state benefits and what he could scavenge off his victims, principally women, by abusing their confidence and trust. Combining an undoubted skill in acting and improvisation with a little bit of research and a few well-chosen props, he posed as a successful criminal barrister. To do this, he armed himself with all the necessary accoutrements. He had a pinstripe suit, a red cloth bag you often see barristers carrying, a wig and a gown with a collar such as we wear today, as well as bundles of papers tied with ribbon. As the defence presented its case, Paul Bint took the witness box. He accepted that he had been impersonating doctors and barristers for almost three decades. He told the court that he was so focused on what others thought of him. He just wanted to be someone else, someone successful. The acts of deception made him feel good, despite the effect it had on his victims. Under questioning from his defence counsel Gavin Holm, Bint believed that his experiences in his youth moulded who he was today. I was quite badly abused as a child and suffered some quite serious injuries, he said. I'm not using it as an excuse, I'm really not. I know there are people who go through these experiences and don't lead the kind of life I've led but it was a period in which I suffered at the hands of people who I believed loved me. Bint acknowledged that his actions had made a rod for his own back, but he claimed when he told women who he really was, those relationships never worked. I just don't want to grow old, and I don't want to be alone, he said. Who does? Following the judge's summation of the case, a verdict for each of the charges was reached following a two-week trial. 47-year-old Paul Bint was cleared of seven counts of fraud and four counts of driving whilst disqualified. Bint was, however, convicted of two counts of fraud by false representation when using the victim's credit cards, burglary in relation to stealing a barrister's laptop and belongings, and also theft, concerning a bracelet which he took from the home of one of his victims. This bracelet was then gifted to another woman he was seeing. Finally, he was found guilty of one charge of driving while disqualified which related to test driving an Audi R8. Bint had now been convicted of over 150 offences. 
he had previously asked that almost 400 be considered. During mitigation, his barrister Gavin Holm had spoken about why his client did what he did and explained that Bint's actions were a coping mechanism to help him deal with his past. The barrister said, It may be that Mr Bint can leave behind King Con, King of the Swindlers, and just be Paul Bint. Before sentencing, Judge Deborah Taylor addressed Bint and spoke about how his deception had traumatised his victims. You misled two women into letting you into their lives and homes, into trusting you and allowing you to stay with them by giving wholly false details about yourself, and then you stole from them. The effect on both of these women was not merely this loss of the bracelet, DVDs or money, but as they told the court, the feeling of violation of their homes and perhaps of their peace of mind. You have an appalling record for offences of a very similar nature. You are clearly a very plausible liar, and as a result a menace to anyone who comes into contact with you. It is clear you don't tell the truth even when immediate financial gain is not your aim and you care nothing for those whose lives you disrupt and those whose identities you use. It may well be you do have some will to change, but there has been little sign of it during this trial. For the totality of his crimes, Bint would be spending the next three years behind bars. He received a driving ban, and on release he was required to use only the name of Paul Bint. Bint appealed his new sentence. It was at first dismissed by a single sitting judge before the case found its way to the Court of Appeal in June 2010. The defence had focused its efforts on the theft of a barrister's laptop from St. Alburn's Crown Court. Both the conviction for a charge of burglary and its respective sentence of two and a half years was argued, with the latter deemed excessive. The three appeal judges disagreed. They could find no fault in the proceedings, and they believed the sentence was warranted due to the aggravating features of the case. The judges labelled Bint's string of crimes that spanned almost three decades an appalling record of dishonesty. So where are we now? As the first wave of news reports on Paul Bint's criminal activities in the mid-90s began to surface, Dr Bridget Dolan, a forensic psychologist who worked at St George's Hospital in London, was interviewed by journalist Paul Vallely. They spoke not only about Bint, but several other criminals who had come to prominence during this period. This included Jamie Petrolini and Richard Elsie. They were college students who were convicted of the murder of Mohammed El Sayed, 
while he was on his way home to his family after a night out in London. The boy soldiers, as they were labelled by author Aaron Hicklin, carried out the random stabbing after Elsie convinced his friend that they were on a mission for the Special Air Service. The case was covered on Season 4, Episode 25 of this podcast. And there was the Lady Rosemary Abudawa, a faux aristocrat who stole around £3 million from the charity she worked for to fund a lifestyle so extravagant she arranged for a shower to be fitted that ran champagne. The case covered on Season 3, Episode 20. It was noted by Dr Bridget Dolan that these individuals were not always acting out of simple criminal interest. As for their victims, the doctor went on to explain that society can only really operate on the belief that what we are being told is the truth. She said, It is not feasible to check everything. Anyway, most people have different personas. At work, at home, in the pub, at a party. It's how we express the different facets of our character. We keep our roles. As a father, as a businessman, quite distinct, and we are comforted by our success in doing so. It was no surprise then that Paul Bint was a success in convincing a great deal of people he was someone else. It was even recommended that he not undergo any further psychological treatment because he was becoming so accomplished at mimicry he could very well move on to impersonate a psychologist. After Bint had served half his three-year sentence for fraud, burglary, theft and driving while disqualified, he was released on licence. In January 2011, he gave an interview with the Sunday Mail in which he looked back on the crimes he committed. Bint had spent a good deal of his life in prison or on licence, and reportedly stole or obtained services worth £2 million. This included jewellery, fast cars, holidays and city breaks in posh hotels. He said that he was trying to go straight, but it was hard to resist temptation. Bint stated, I don't have any long-term plans but to abstain from getting into situations that would lead me to being arrested. But I can't say never again. Let's be honest, nobody would believe me if I said I was going straight. Reflecting on his past and how he felt about himself, Bint concluded, What I've done is turned a lot of my dreams into reality. I've gone that extra step. Instead of fantasising what it would be like to own a Ferrari, I went out and got one. It made me feel successful. For me, it was about totally forgetting who Paul Bint was, because I disliked that person so much I couldn't even be him. I'm still the same now.
Paul Bint no doubt poured a great deal of work and preparation into impersonating a series of successful individuals throughout the field of medicine, investment banking and law. Since his release, he does not appear to have committed any further crimes. Maybe he might have finally put some hard work into making an honest success of the one person he never wanted to be. Paul Bint. Thank you for listening. A special thanks goes out to our new Patreon producer, Lizette Shields, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you want to get in touch, you can reach us through our social media accounts. We're on Facebook and Instagram as They Walk Among Us podcast, or Twitter under TWAU underscore podcast For more information on this episode please see the show notes or visit our website theywalkamonguspodcast.com on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.